Most people don't enjoy going to hospitals. The recycled air, the disinfectant smell, and gloomy ambiance remind us that life is fleeting. Since hospitals are the final resting place of so many, depending on who you ask, they are undoubtedly some of the most haunted places on earth. And some of those patients checked in centuries ago and refuse to leave. From the outside, the Beechworth Lunatic Asylum in Australia oozed upper class, equipped with its own gardens, stables, theater, and plentiful farmland. It looked to be a small paradise. However, the interior of the hospital told a much different story. Originally known as Mayday Hills Lunatic Asylum, patients admitted into the hospital quickly found themselves trapped. From the outside, the ha-ha walls circling the grounds were low enough to give the appearance patients were free to come and go. From the inside, a deep trench prevented any escape, and patients soon realized they were prisoners. Only two signatures were needed to admit a person into Beechworth, but eight were required to leave. After operating for over 125 years, the institution closed its doors in 1995, and many of its previous employees and patients continue to roam the halls from beyond the grave. Reportedly, visitors encounter the spirit of Matron Sharp, a kind woman who spent years helping Beechworth's patients, haunting the computer room of the university that is located on the grounds. Others report seeing the ghost of a man named Tommy Kennedy who helped in the kitchen and transported dead patients out of the hospital. In the areas he used to frequent, people say they feel something tugging at their clothing and tickling their ribs. The other restless spirits said to roam the halls include a male doctor, an old man near the tower, and a young girl who attempts to get the attention of women. There are also rumors that jars of body parts were once displayed, but mysteriously disappeared during hospital renovations in the 1950s. Some believe the jars are still concealed somewhere within the grounds. With hidden and preserved body parts, doctors, patients, and the disembodied sounds of children coughing, Beechworth has plenty of spiritual activity within its walls to warrant a visit. But don't be surprised if you feel something tugging at your clothing when no one is there. During both world wars, Great Britain sided with the United States, despite the fact that they'd fought on opposite sides in the past. The urgency to defeat a greater enemy meant sharing resources and providing support for one another. Nocton Hall in Lincolnshire, England, began as a manor for prominent British citizens, but played host to American soldiers during the Great War. It served as a recovery home for officers and soldiers again during the Second World War, and again as recently as the Persian Gulf War. 
Abandoned in 1995, it fell victim to multiple arson attempts in 2004 and 2005. Nocton became a ruin and a hotbed for paranormal researchers. According to these researchers, before the building's ruin, a crying young girl haunted one of the bedrooms, often appearing at exactly 4.30 a.m. The identity of the girl is unclear, but legend says she was once a servant to the family who owned Nocton Hall before it was leased to the Americans, and she was murdered on sight. There have been discussions concerning the preservation of the building, but it has become a popular draw for looters, vandals, as well as the occasional ghost hunter in the meantime. Sadly, we may never know the true story of the crying girl who appears in the dead of night. The asylum was beautiful on the outside, but its interiors allegedly hosted rather dark secrets, including remnants of satanic rituals and the former home of one of America's most infamous serial killers. Originally known as Lunatic State Hospital at Taunton, the asylum is rumored to be haunted with the ghosts of secret rituals conducted in the basement. According to the stories, patients who were taken downstairs by doctors and nurses were used as sacrifices in satanic rituals and never seen again. Ghost hunters who explored the building before the original structures were demolished in 2009 claimed that they were overcome with fear when approaching the basement. Taunton's dark legacy doesn't end with ritual sacrifice. Over the years, it has played host to countless patients with checkered histories. The infamous Lizzie Borden once was detained in Taunton's jail, but she pales in comparison to Taunton's premier patient, a woman known as Jolly Jane. Jane Topan was an American serial killer whose murder spree ended when she was arrested a few days before Halloween in 1901. Topan originally trained to become a nurse at Cambridge Hospital, and while there, she experimented on her favorite patients with atropine and morphine, altering their doses to observe the effects it had on their bodies. As they lay dying, Jane sometimes crawled into bed with her patients, sexually aroused by the idea of their struggle between life and death. Topan killed 31 people total and was found not guilty by reason of insanity. She spent the rest of her life in Taunton State Hospital until her death on August 17, 1938. Between secret rituals and the eerie presence of a sadistic killer, it's a relief to know the old buildings were reduced to rubble. However, it's reported that some of the useful pieces of rubble were sold to various companies across the country, making it entirely possible the spirit of Jolly Jane or the ritual sacrifices have new haunting grounds. Hospitals are where people can heal, but also where they can often die. What happens to our consciousness may remain a mystery, but we do know our bodies are left behind for loved ones to take care of. Unfortunately, sometimes hospitals aren't so careful with the deceased. Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville, Kentucky served as a hospital for tuberculosis victims during a massive spike in the disease during the 20th century. 
Originally named for Sir Walter Scott's Waverly novels, the facility later expanded to become a self-contained community. Regardless of what role you served a doctor, nurse, general worker, or patient, once you joined the community, you never left. Once a patient passed away, their body traveled down the body chute, a tunnel where bodies were discreetly removed from the facility to avoid upsetting the other residents. The tunnel was unsurprisingly subject to many ghost sightings. More ghost stories revolve around room 502, where a nurse was rumored to have hanged herself, and a second nurse allegedly hurled herself off of the building's roof. Once a treatment for tuberculosis made Waverly obsolete, it became a geriatric facility before closing down for good in 1981. However, those who still venture into Waverly should keep out of the shadows and beware the hauntings of room 502, and be sure to steer clear of the body chute. You wouldn't want to fall in. The bubonic plague, or the Black Death, ravaged the world's population, ending the lives of over 50 million people, including those who stayed on Pavalia Island, where patients also faced experimentation by sadistic doctors. The island, located in Italy, became a dumping ground for the infected. Giant pyres burned those who were either dying or dead to prevent the spread of the infection. When Venice battled the second mass outbreak of the plague two centuries later, the island once again became a mass grave for the diseased. The 19th century brought more misery to the island when Venice and surrounding areas sent their mentally ill to the island to live in a poorly constructed hospital, exiled to die instead of be rehabilitated. By the 1930s, rumors started to swirl that doctors were performing bizarre experiments on patients, including lewd lobotomies. The doctor responsible for these heinous acts of torture later flung himself from the asylum's tower, claiming to be tortured by the ghosts of his victims. The island has been featured on numerous paranormal shows such as Ghost Adventures, but perhaps the most disturbing finding is that the soil on the island contains traces of human bones, remnants of the plethora of burned, infected bodies. New England, the northeastern corner of the United States, a region rich in history and well known for its incredible autumn foliage. However, aside from these attractive aspects of this area, there do indeed exist many haunting legends and mysteries that have become an inseparable part of its folklore. Cultivating the morbid curiosities of countless people with enough courage to explore. New England is where I was born and raised, so I'm more than happy to talk about only a few of the terrifying things attributed to my home. Ancient Ruins Primarily scattered across the states of Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Connecticut are the curious megalithic ruins of dubious origin. Many of these structures are subterranean chambers usually located beneath the hillsides of the landscape. These chambers can be best described as beehive-like. They are usually accessed through tunnels, which are also composed of mortarless stonework. It was initially believed that these chambers were the cellars of early settlers. However, 
Records show that the chambers were already of pre-existence when the colonists began to settle the region. In addition, these chambers would not have been suitable for the storage of food as the floors were only bare soil. It was then believed that the chambers were originally constructed by Native Americans. Even so, many scholars argue that this is not accurate, as no other similar structures exist elsewhere in North America. One notable location is what many call America's Stonehenge, or Mystery Hill. This archaeological site near North Salem, New Hampshire, is strewn with boulders and megalithic assemblies, many of which align with the spring and autumn equinoxes. But perhaps the most bizarre megalith of Mystery Hill is what many believe to be a sacrificial table, a large, flat stone with carved gutters thought to have been used to drain the blood of victims. Another enigmatic site is Gungiwamp, near the town of Groton, Connecticut. This location consists of two concentric circles of stones at its center, as well as an underground stone chamber with astronomical alignments. Radiocarbon dating has shown these arcane structures strewn across New England were built well over 4,000 years ago. Aside from the historical significance of these ruins, many explorers have reported hearing disembodied voices and seeing shadows dart through these labyrinths of underground cavities. Regardless of whether these were built by Native Americans, early European explorers, or another extinct race of human beings altogether, the stone chambers and megaliths of New England are undoubtedly one of the greatest archaeological mysteries of our time. The Glastonbury Mysteries Located near Bennington, Vermont, is a place seeped in great apprehension and uncertainty. From unsolved disappearances to a vanishing town, this area is seldom visited by natives of the region. Indeed, both the long-forsaken town of Glastonbury and the notorious mountain wielding the same name have been subject to speculation and rumors by the surrounding denizens. Although the inevitable corrosion of nature has claimed most of it, the cellar ruins of this vanished community can still be stumbled upon. The town of Glastonbury was founded in 1761, before the state of Vermont even existed. The mountain upon which it rested possessed a copious amount of woodland, thus attracting the lumber industry. Slowly but surely, Glastonbury began to flourish in the 19th century. The town could be divided by the communities of Fayville, a logging town, and South Glastonbury, where the main industrial activities took place. As the lumber industry began to decline, the town was soon transformed into a tourist attraction in 1894. This meant that the loggers' boarding house had to be transformed into a hotel. The town opened up as a summer vacation destination in 1897. While their first season was exceedingly successful, issues began to arise due to many of the trees being stripped from the mountain. The land was predisposed to soil erosion and flooding. A year later, a crippling flood shut down the town permanently, after the majority of the roads had been washed out. Nobody was willing to rebuild what was damaged, and thus the town quietly fell into decay over the decades, until scarcely anything was left. After its abandonment, 
odd occurrences began to transpire. On November 12, 1945, 75-year-old Middle Rivers was guiding a group of campers over the mountain. According to the story, he became too far ahead of the group and has since then never been seen again. Then, in 1946, a college student named Paula Weldon went hiking on one of the trails of Glastonbury Mountain and was also never seen again. In 1949, three hunters ventured into the depths of Glastonbury Mountain and also vanished. In 1950, on October 12th, eight-year-old Paul Jepson went out into the woods of Glastonbury and disappeared. His scent was tracked by dogs who soon lost his trail near a highway. Soon thereafter, on October 28th of 1950, Freda Lander vanished during a hike with her cousin. She had separated with her cousin as she was going back to her camp to change her clothes. Freda was never seen after this point. Following her disappearance, a massive search conducted by police and volunteers surveyed the wilderness, but only in vain. It was not until the following May that her remains were discovered in a field, which, strangely enough, had already been extensively searched. In addition to this, many others have also gone missing in the Glastonbury area. Some individuals claim that the legends of the land being cursed, as well as the stories of strange demons inhabiting the hillsides, predate the time period of early settlers, saying that the Native Americans even avoided the land centuries ago. Other myths involve a serial killer who once inhabited the mountain and lured unsuspecting hikers to a secluded location, whereupon he would kill them. Interestingly enough, a New York Times article from October 18, 1879, claims that an ape-like man near the vicinity was spotted by locals. Other tales of the region include ethereal lights and flashes emanating from the mountain. Whatever the truth may be, it's probably best that one stays far from Glastonbury Mountain, lest they wish to uncover its rather forbidden secrets. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. The Dover Demon Imagine driving home one evening when suddenly within the radiance of your headlights you catch a glimpse of something extraordinarily not human. This was the case in 1977 for 17-year-old William Bartlett and his two friends, Mike Mazoka and Andy Brody. On April 21st at 10.32 p.m., William and his friends were driving home on Farm Street in Dover, Massachusetts. Then, without warning, an otherworldly creature is spotted on a crumbling stone wall in front of their vehicle's headlights on the left side of the road. They stop when they realize the uncanny being is neither a dog nor a cat. Crawling on four legs, its two large eyes resting within its watermelon-shaped head glow a bright orange. 
The entity's limbs are long and spiny, with large hands and feet. Its skin is peachy and hairless, the fingers overextending and slender. The thing gazes upon them before crawling away in the encircling shadows. That same night at around 12 a.m., 15-year-old John Baxter departs from his girlfriend's house and begins walking up the street to his own home. As he continues along, he is approached by a figure. John assumes the figure is a neighbor who lives nearby. When he calls out to the thing standing before him, he receives no response. Becoming worried, John takes a few steps forward and the ghoulish figure immediately crawls down into the shallow, wooded ravine. Unaware of what the thing truly is, John follows it through the woods, hearing it crunch in the dried, withered leaves. Then, without warning, John spots the creature standing above him, on the other side of the ravine. It's during this moment that he realizes precisely how unnatural the creature truly is. Fearing the being will attack, John hurries through the woods and finds himself on Farm Street. After this, he hitches a ride home from a couple who spot him. Since these two incidents, there have been similar reports in the area. This creature has become recognized worldwide as the Dover Demon. Many skeptics believe that this unearthly being was actually nothing more than a lost baby moose. However, others argue that it would have been the wrong time to see baby moose during the year, let alone the fact that the only moose sightings at the time were in central Massachusetts. Regardless, what is certain is that the Dover Demon is a story that will only continue to root itself deep in New England's folklore. The Woodstock Vampires the epidemic of tuberculosis in the 19th century caused widespread panic across the country, and New England was no exception. People would often come up with incredibly unreasonable origins as to what or who caused the diseases that afflicted so many. Quite often, the blame for an unknown disease was vampirism. And while most of these tales were merely conjured up by the superstitious minds of grief-stricken families, there are some stories to this day that continue to leave many puzzled. One such story is known as the Vampires of Woodstock. In 1834, the Corwin family was confounded when their oldest son perished from a mysterious sickness. Shortly after his burial, another son became ill with the same unknown morbidity. The inhabitants of the town began to suspect that the cause of this inexplicable illness was a vampire. Making haste, the townspeople hurried to Cushing Cemetery of Woodstock and unearthed the oldest son's corpse in an attempt to stop the latent vampire. The cadaver was consequently burned, and the ashes were sealed in an iron container, which was soon thereafter promptly buried. However, years later, a group of mischievous boys decided to unearth the ashes late one night. As they pulled the iron container from the ground, they were instantly swarmed by deathly screams and malevolent voices chanting. Thus, the boys fled far into the heart of midnight, evading the dark spirits that they had invoked. In addition, there are other stories involving vampires in the region, similar to the one in Woodstock. On February 14, 1817, a young man by the name of Frederick Ransom contracted a strange illness and thereafter died. 
He was subsequently buried, but his father believed that he was rising from the grave and visiting his living family members at night. Frederick's father therefore had his son's corpse exhumed soon after cutting out the heart, which was immediately burned. But regrettably, this did nothing to save his family from the unknown sickness. Mrs. Ransom fell ill to the strange disease in 1821, followed by her daughter in 1828, and two sons in 1830 and 1832. While many more people believed in vampiric curses during these times, one thing was for certain. It was an illness that they had a very limited understanding of, and the myths will continue to live on in the hearts and minds of New Englanders. Wizard's Glen Devil Located four miles from Pittsfield, Massachusetts, within the Berkshire Hills, is a place that is perhaps the most unhallowed in all of New England. Wizard's Glen is a small, quiet hollow with an overwhelmingly sinister past. It's believed that Native American shamans use the location to communicate with the spirits. However, others believe that, more specifically, it was used to communicate with the spirit of evil, where human sacrifices would be offered on the rock that is known as the Devil's Altar. The dark red stains on the stone were believed by the nearby townspeople to be the stains of blood, although they have since been proven to be iron ore deposits. According to the story, in 1770, a man who was hunting a deer came upon the glen. After killing the animal, an abrupt thunderstorm came out of nowhere. Without wasting any time, the man hid the deer beneath a boulder and then quickly hid himself beneath another one of the large rocks. The man had a perfect view of the devil's altar, and as the tempest raged on, something very peculiar began to occur. It was said that the devil himself appeared on the rock. A wreath of lightning around his neck ominously illuminated the surroundings. By his side were many horrible wraiths and demons. Then suddenly a young Native American maiden was brought forth upon the blasphemous altar. As the devil raised his ceremonial blade, the frightened woman looked at the man. It was at this moment that her scared face caused him to take action against the unholy ritual. Taking out his Bible and raising it upward, he declared the name of God, and all at once, everything ceased to be. The devil and his imps vanished altogether. In our modern times, this tale may indeed seem ridiculous, but the Devil's Altar at Wizard's Glen still stands to this day, remaining a location of nightmare and superstition. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.